Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast once again. This is episode number 266, entitled... Why do people hack websites? With Robert Abella. It was published on Thursday, the 17th of February, 2022. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and some very short housekeeping just before we begin. If you head over to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe, we would love to keep you in touch with all of the content that we produce. We've got our YouTube channel, Twitter feed, but also a couple of lists which you can subscribe to, and we will keep you updated when we produce new content. Typically, that is a podcast episode coming out on a Thursday. It's what you're listening to now. And also we have our This Week in WordPress content, which is a live show every Monday. If you'd like to join us for that, you can go to wpbuilds.com forward slash live. That's 2 p.m. UK time. And we're joined by some notable WordPress guests. But we also repurpose that and turn it into a podcast episode, which comes out on Tuesday morning. So once again, if you would like to subscribe, wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. I'd also like to point out our deals page. We've got a load of coupon codes for loads and loads of WordPress products. They're there 24-7, 365 days of the year. And it's a bit like Black Friday, but every single day of the year. So wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. And finally, if you fancy a bit of an alternative to Twitter, we've got our Mastodon install. It's wpbuilds.social. Yes, that's a URL, wpbuilds.social. And over there you can join something which feels a bit like Twitter, but is completely federated. It's an open source bit of software which we've downloaded. It's fairly quiet at the moment, but if you want to join in, I'd be most grateful. Okay, let's get into the content of the podcast today. Today, I'm chatting with Robert Abella. Robert is a security expert, as you're about to find out. And it's a really interesting episode because today we're not really talking about a particular WordPress product or a particular WordPress theme or plugin, anything like that. We're talking about why do people hack things? What's in it for them? Can you be paid to be an ethical hacker? Why would you do this all in the first place? And what can you do to mitigate things? Where can you go to find out information to keep yourselves protected? Feels like every single week there is a new major security incident on the internet and lots and lots of them to do with WordPress. So Robert's here to give us a helping hand about how to make your websites more secure and what are the motives of the people who are trying to hack us? Goodness only knows. I hope that you enjoy it. Hello there. Welcome once again to the WP Builds podcast. Nice for you to be with us. Today I have Robert Abella. Hello, Robert. Hello, Nathan. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. This is actually the second time Robert has been on the WP Builds podcast. It was a very long time ago. I think prior to actually clicking record, did we decide it was about three years ago? Yeah, I think it's about three or four years ago, yeah, and we talked about logs mostly. Yeah, that's right, yeah, because um, at that time we were talking about WP Security Audit Log, and this time we're just going to have a much more narrative conversation. Very often we do end up talking about particular plugins and themes and so on, and this time we're just talking about security, but in a very general look at security, really just touching on the subject of why people do it and what you need to be mindful of and and the, the concerns, how they're changing over time and so on. Probably in order to do that, Robert, it would be good for everybody to get some kind of understanding as to why you are somebody we should pay attention to when we talk about internet security. So would you mind just giving us a little bit of background about your credentials and what it is that you do and how you're, how you're into internet security, specifically around WordPress? Thanks. Uh, yes, so basically I started um, when I was 13, 14, uh, I got my first PC. Previously I had an Amiga, but it was mostly for gaming. But I had my first PC, I had my first internet connection back with dial-up and modems. And yeah, and through some group of friends, I've learned a bit about, as I was telling you before, basic hacking, basically. Back then it was done via FTP, SSH and stuff like that, find, finding default passwords and stuff. Anyway, and I've always shown interest in computers. So my first job after I dropped out from school, I dropped out for a job basically, was as a software tester at a, software co a security software company. 
Uh, I was there for eight years where I held a different number of roles. I started as a software tester, then I was into uh, R&D systems engineering. Uh, so I was more on, always on the technical side. Then I, I held another three jobs over the years. And I was I always worked with security companies, security software companies. Uh, and my last two jobs were with a with companies which develop vulnerability scanners uh, on web application, web application security scanner. So basically, yes, um, I was really exposed in web application security and stuff like that. So, uh, and for the last six years now, I've started my own business. Originally, we started kind of like as a security security consultant company and cleaning hacked websites as a part-time hobby. But slowly, slowly, yes, we developed a number of plugins uh, and basically we develop right now we are a few years later we are a team of six people full-time and we develop six different plugins security plugins one thing i like to point out is like many people when they think of security you know people like uh, think of an all-rounder plugin you know like where you have a firewall and everything uh, under the umbrella what we do is we do things a bit differently we always have a we have a number of plugins which do something very specific like an activity plugin or a 2fa plugin etc so yeah so i now uh, I'm 40 years old, so I've been, yeah, technically speaking, I've been like around 20 years working in the security software industry, and the last 10 years of them, it was mostly focused on web application security. Yeah, yeah, uh, so there we go, you know, if anybody knows what they're on about, it would appear that Robert is the person. So you're the you're the, you're the the man for this conversation. The, the question that I always want to get an answer to, and I never seem to be able to get an answer, and, you know, it's more of a conversation, I'm sure you don't have the answer, but I'm really curious as to why anything like this actually ever happens. And, you know, if if we think about, uh, let's say, viruses in the real world, and by that I mean things that can make human beings sick, we, we, we don't really have an answer to that either. It's just part of life. People get viruses and they get sick and they get passed to one another and you can't really blame anybody. It's just nature. But with computers, it's entirely different. There are people to blame. This stuff does not happen by accident, unless I'm very much mistaken. Somebody has to sit down and endeavour to create a problem that the rest of us then suffer from. So I'm just curious, what is the motivation for somebody to to begin creating problems for the rest of us? Why on earth are people doing this? Uh, very good question. And as you said, no one has the answer. But uh, usually... Uh, even based on my experience and experience of people I know, it, it, it always starts uh, as an adventure for fun. You know, you're a teenager, you get your own, your first PC, your first computer, you get you get on the internet, and if 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 you have if you show interest, especially in development, and and like you like to to understand how things work, uh, naturally you like to break things. You know, so so you end up. Um, most probably not, not even trying to hack, but trying to break things. Maybe you finding us read some some files, get some some script from the internet, try to run it, etc. Just out of curiosity. Uh, so usually that's how it starts. And from once you start diving deep into it, and if you start, for example, I don't know, achieving some targets, I don't know, maybe you, you break into a website or into a portal and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it, it gives you that that, that that natural higher, and it's nice. And some people find that interesting. Um, usually that's how it starts. Um, so. It starts but out of curiosity. In fact, um, and it comes out of curiosity and it starts out of because people are are curious and would like to learn more about systems. Um, in fact, most notorious hackers uh, in the world usually they are very smart people. It's not that they are bad people; it's just their their passion. But then, of course, there are two ways where you can go. You can go either to white hat hacking, which is kind of like the legal way, where we see like you know like penetration testers. Uh, people who provide this as a service, like you're developing a software, we do it ourselves, for example, with our plugins, um, and you, you, you hire someone as a third party to kind of like test the security of your plugins to make sure that, that the code is secure, etc., or your website, or your, your, your network that you're building. That's the white, hat, the white hat avenue kind of thing. And there's the black hat avenue, um, which is more like the underground scene where whatever you do, not, not necessarily whatever you do, but you mostly you do it with the intention uh, it's it's mostly illegal uh, you don't most probably most people don't even realize that they sometimes some things may lead to very very big and and grave things but but yeah uh, when you go down the, the black hell through the underground route that's that's where, where you go basically uh, the motivation typically is always money uh, it's always monetary um, because of 
let's say you're um, you're still young, or I don't know. Uh, it's, 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 I know it's a stereotypical, but it's, it's very common. You, um, you just you're always at home. You, you you're experimenting. You break a software. You break something, and yeah, or uh, and you sell something that you broke, and uh, or some data, and you earn some money. And that, of course, you keep on doing it and doing it and doing it. Um, most common, so yeah, most common is monetary, which is data theft. This is most people know about data theft. So uh, when when people think of hackers, they do it for data theft to steal. You know, you have an online shop, you have user data. Uh, so yeah, hackers will steal your the credit cards you have on your store, etc. Um, and usually this data is either sold um, or you use it to learn more about your the customer base. Now the thing is this: um, since it's in most cases about data theft and people think of credit cards and stuff. So many people would say like, listen, I just have, I don't know, a website. My WordPress website is just about a club we have, you know, in the village where we are, about old cars, for example, or, or, or stuff like that. So who would want to hack our website? However, yes, the motives usually are much more than that. So so yes, um, many people think that their website, just because they don't have an e-commerce solution or they don't have customer data or stuff, it's not a target. However, your website is always a target. And the reason why it's always a target, because um the uh, it's it, as i said it's always it's always uh, um, the more the reason is always monetary but there are many other kind of like sub reasons why people hack they hack for vandalism to deface a website for example political reasons uh, especially during the the elections you see it a lot in every country like for example uh someone hacking or defacing uh the it's also called hacktivism someone defacing the the website of a political opponent uh, or someone they don't agree with, and stuff like that. Uh, there's also corporate espionage. Um, it happens. It happens a lot, um, more than we think, especially with bigger companies. Um, companies hire other companies to hack uh, to, for, for espionage to learn more about their competition. Uh, in fact, a bit of a, uh, an interesting fact. Um, if if you, let's say. Uh, you, uh, you found a vulnerability in Apache, which is one of the most popular web servers in the world. Um, if, you find, uh, if you find the vulnerability in Apache, you have quite a few different <laughs> things that you can do. So you can either report to Apache, disclose it to Apache, they issue a patch and you issue, a, uh, you issue the report about it, or uh, you can actually sell that, you can actually sell that, that, that vulnerability. You can sell the information about that vulnerability and the, the biggest, buyer of these vulnerabilities usually are governments. Governments buy, buy these vulnerabilities so they can actually yeah, run espionage campaigns against different countries, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, there's sort of like two branches to this. The, but the, on the black hat side, your, your thoughts are that on the whole, the the purpose is is financial now I'm just sort of curious if there's a if there's an, an industry on the white hat side i'm guessing that those kind of careers will command salaries and those salaries will be dictated by what the market can demand and and you'll you know you'll work for a company probably you might even start your own company but you'll work and you will achieve whatever salary it is that you can achieve presumably based upon how exp how how long you've been doing it and your level of expertise and so on but there's there's always going to be a ceiling on that but i kind of feel that on the black hat side potentially the sky is the limit you really could with a fair wind and the right set of colleagues and you know the the right things happening in the right order you could potentially stumble across something where there is an almost limitless payoff because you've managed to figure out a vulnerability, oh, I don't know, let's say in uh, Apple's iPhone, or as you said, in Apache, or something where the, the, the damage that you can cause is so great that you can achieve great financial reward as a result. Yes, it is. I, I think we, we see this also in, 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 uh, in the physical world. You know, like you can get a job, you can be an executive. However, most probably being a drug lord pays <laughs> pays better yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and, and it's the same with, with black hat hacking in fact like um when when you look like there are, because the way um because of the things you can achieve with black hat hacking for example uh, as i was mentioning before like why why are the reasons people hack uh people hack even like for example to change a website to promote their own products people hack to embed 
links, hidden links for SEO, you know, to help organic search of another website, you know. Uh, people hack to redirect the traffic of an online store, for example, to their store or to someone's store, you know, uh, to distribute files, uh, illegal files, distribute malware, you know, uh, or illegal content. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, like, some companies, not, 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 not all the companies, of course, but, I mean, we know, we know how much companies, legit companies, pay for SEO, you know. Um, how many people you employ in your marketing team, you know, to make sure like you are always on on the first page on Google, you know. Um, but yeah, you can you can either go that route or you can either go to the other route and indirectly kind of like hire the black people from the black market and and yeah and instead of doing the actual work, which is usually works, um, the the results are much the, the ROI the return of investment the return of investment is much quicker. But it's uh, it's not long term. So you can actually hire companies underground that can hack other websites to embed links in them that point to your website, and yeah, you you gain that organic reach basically. So so and it seems um, some some people uh, some companies are are willing to pay much more because of course you need that that instant. Like for example, we know. Let's look at SEO. SEO. Everyone tells you that it's not something. It's not a sprint. It's, it's a marathon, you know, you, you start writing content and slowly, slowly, if you write good content, slowly, slowly, you start getting that ranking, you know. Uh, so, but you have to spend, I don't know, let's say if you have a budget, but you have to spend X amount of dollars to do that and wait at least to start seeing some benefits from it. You need to start to wait six, eight, ten months. It depends how fast you go. But yeah, there's that longevity. However, if you got, if you have a budget, I don't know, of... of Ten thousand dollars, and and you can say, okay, let's 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 hire this underground company. You know, um, they hack X amount of websites because most probably they already have a, a portfolio of hacked websites. You know, um, and yeah, they inject links there. They 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 embed hidden links in these websites, and yeah, within a week or two, you already have a big number of of links pointing to your website. Now, um, yeah, some people might tell you, yeah, but when you do it legitimately SEO, it's long term. It it will it will. It, it it will work in a year's time, in two years' time, in three years' time. When you do it via the the, the the illegal way, when you embed links on hacked websites, it's it's only working for four, five, six months, whatever, until Google, you know, like finds out and they stop it. It's true, but maybe in those six months and, and let's let's not forget that it's us human nature, it's not me or you everyone, human nature. We are greedy, you know. So within those six months most probably we would have done much more money <laughs> than in the three, four, five years working to achieve the, the, the same goal, you know? So, so it, um, it's, it's always, it's always, as you said, it always revolves about, around money. And as long as people are, or businesses are, are willing to pay and fuel the, fuel the, the, the underground industry, the underground industry will continue to thrive. And they, 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 they exist in fact, because uh, companies, and unfortunately, if some, in some cases, Although it's not clear, it's very um, even government sometimes, or or let's say more official agencies pay them, they they will continue to thrive. The uh, I'm sort of curious as to know how anything on a computer could actually ever be worth money. So, so for example, I can imagine if you know if I, if somebody stole a bitcoin wallet off a computer okay i can get that there's there's actual value in having those bits taken from your computer and taken to another computer and then somebody empties your bitcoin wallet i could also imagine that if somebody were to you know intercept a banking session or something like that they could they could get at your bank account and so on and so forth but in all of the other cases the cases where i don't know the, the they're implanting things onto your computer or putting something on your server how how does it how does it actually end up getting money in their back pocket is it literally that the like the the criminal enterprises or as you said in some cases it may be um it may be nation states that are promoting this kind of thing are, are they literally paying for these people to sit there almost like it's a job you know i mean are there instances where there are black hat people sitting in offices with computers and you know travel expenses and all of this kind of stuff how do what's going on yes um th there's always value first of all um when when people hack uh, and that's why i said like every website is a target because some people say okay oh my website is about some old cars old cars club in, in my town who, who, who who's interested in that you know they might not be interested in your website 
but they are interested in the fact that there is an online storage, there is a server that they can control, um, there's bandwidth, which is expensive, and there's a, a hop. So for example, if, if I want to hack a website mm -hmm. myself, I'm not going to hack it from my own home computer, okay? And I'm not, most probably I'll go and find a Wi-Fi something, a, 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 a public Wi-Fi somewhere. Um, I'll hack, um, I use, of course, Tor network or stuff like that. I hack another computer, someone's else's computer or someone's else's server, and use that as a stepping stone. So I launch the attack from that computer, not from my computer. So you, you, you kind of like building layers before you actually attack the target. So um, so even just the fact that, they, that someone has a hacked co computer in their control or a hacked server, that's already of value. Maybe not directly there and then, but if someone then pays them, listen, I need... I need to um, I need an SEO campaign like like to to embed some links. You can use that computer to hack another website, or maybe that that hacked website that you already has that you already have. Maybe you can embed links in that one. You know, so it's not always direct monetary value, but yes, um, a hacked website or a hacked server or a hacked uh, uh, computer can be used either as a stepping stone to hack something else or to hide yourself behind it. Another 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 common reason why servers are hacked um, to store and distribute illegal content, you know, like cracked software, uh, recorded movies. Unfortunately, it's very common um, with uh, child pornography. No one wants to get caught with child pornography in their computer. Uh, so what they do, um, you, 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 you hack a computer, hack another computer, and then you store files there. And if someone wants those files, you link to that computer. In fact, it's not the first time. Um, if you ever tried to even for experimentation, if you ever try to download some, some sort of an illegal movie or something, typically, like nine out of the 10 links you, you click, apart from <laughs> being infected with malwares, um, nine, nine out of the 10 links that you click on, they don't even work because most probably it was a hacked website, which now has been restored, so that link is no longer working, or that computer has been taken offline or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so when they hack, unless if you, st if you hack data, which you can sell, like credit card numbers, for example, or customer, data, you know, like, like national, national insurance numbers and the stuff, social security numbers and the stuff, that, that, is, that has a direct monetary value. You can sell that. Um, but yeah, in, in most cases, um, yeah, you, you just have a property to work with. You, you just, you're just kind of like building your repertoire to work with, yeah. either to embed links on them or either to use them as a stepping stone. Very common, for example, um, for a DDoS attack, for a distributed denial of service. In, in most cases, um, the, the, the person or the, the group who's launching the DDoS, they don't have millions of computers themselves. They just hack, and again, a bit going a bit backwards, that's why there is spam and virus and malware. Um, if you had to build, let's say, a, a network for to, to, to launch DDoS attacks, you start by sending emails to, 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 to a long contact list of emails uh, with malwares and stuff, which usually have backdoors or, or some sort of, of some sort of backdoor which you can control. And whoever clicks on that link runs some executable, etc. So all of a sudden, let's say you sent, I don't know, 20 million emails. Let's say X percentage of them clicked on them. All of a sudden you have 500,000 machines under your control. So just at the click of a button, if, if they installed that malware or that backdoor that you wanted them to install by clicking on that link of, they thought it's a bank account or something, or a lottery, or they won the lottery. Um, yeah, all of a sudden you have 500,000 computers in your repertoire. So if, if, if you want to launch a DDoS attack against someone, just at the click of a button, those computers, if they are switched on, they will launch the attack. And of course, th that's how you start building, you know? And you can, and usually, especially when it comes to malware and viruses nowadays, it's not just distributing it via email. Most viruses, like, um, yeah, they just propagate themselves automatically. So if it's, if it's on one computer, it automatically transmits itself to all the computers on that network that it can reach and keeps on propagating, propagating, propagating. So within a few days or a few weeks, you can have a large network of computers. In fact, it is mentioned, we're talking about it before we started recording, uh, and the Lazarus Heist, the BBC podcast, where, where, where it talks about these things, like um, how, how, how this whole virus in question grew how, how they managed to grow the, this, this whole virus and, and um, have X amount of computers at their control, you know?
Yeah, I mean the the stories on that podcast, the the Lazarus heist, are quite quite. I will make sure I link to it in the show notes. It is quite an extraordinary, presumably right at the far end of the spectrum of the kind of things that are going on. This is a this is a hack that was just breathtaking in its scale, and and it, it has all the hallmarks of being done by um, nation states with very deep pockets and a great deal of time and intent. But the, the on the on the sort of the seesaw, the balance of, of you know, on the one hand, we've got the, the people who are trying to break things. And on the other side, we've got the people who are trying to figure out how they're breaking things. Do you have a sense of like who's winning? It just feels almost like a jousting match. You know, the presumably the, the white hack people are constantly reacting, not only trying to find fault themselves, you know, trying to find things that are broken and then tell the software vendors about this and that other thing and get it fixed before anybody else finds out about it. But they must also be in a constant cat and mouse game with the black hat people who ingeniously figure something out that nobody had ever seen before. And and I just wondered if you had a sense of, if you had to, who, who who's in the lead? Who's winning, the good guys or the bad guys? Um, I, I agree completely with what, everything you've said. It is a cat and mouse game, that's for sure. And it seems since the internet started um, yeah i mean like the, the 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 bad guys are winning and there, there are a number of reasons why first of all um uh it's there isn't always uh, unless a person is creative and unless a person i'm, I'm sorry maybe i used the wrong words but unless a person likes to break things you wouldn't find a fault in something you know like for example i don't know like if you buy um alarm an alarm at your house um and if you don't like you're not you don't like to just try it. Let me try this. Let me try this. Let me see if it breaks down, whatever. Uh, and many people don't do that, which is natural, of course, because you have your life, you have your job, you're busy, you know, like most people deep down, most probably most people deep down have that curiosity. But nowadays, you know, everyone, you have something to do. Mm. Even if you're young, you have to go to school, you have to do this. Everyone has their own errands to run. Um, so yeah, so if, 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 you, if you're not trying to break the system, you will never find issues. And when you are developing a system, I look at it, uh, even ourselves, like we... We have, as a company, we have security background. Uh, we develop security plugins, and but we still hire third-party people to uh, check our code. Why? Yeah. Because first of all, you are seeing your code every day, you know. And I'm sure everyone can relate to this. Even when you write an article, when you write an article yourself, you can read it 10, 20 times. When someone else reads it, they go, "Oh, there's this mistake. There's this mistake." Because and you'd be surprised. Oh, how come I didn't see that? Even something simple. Um, it's normal. Um, so when you are developing something, software, it's normal that uh, sometimes you you forget about something, or it's just you know like you're seeing it every day, so you don't even it doesn't even click that you should do A, B, or C. You know, um, of course there are the best practices that every developer ideally should follow, but it, it doesn't happen it doesn't happen naturally. So yeah, you just and most people when they build software, it, it's natural. You build the the target is the functionality, not how secure it is. Let's achieve the functionality first. And then sometimes, unfortunately, I've seen it happening a lot with any type of software, not just in WordPress, by the way, it happens all over the industry, the software industry. Uh, you develop something, then someone finds a vulnerability in your software, and that kind of usually that's a wake up call, you know, and you start, okay, uh, we should invest a bit more in security, train a bit our developers, maybe hire a third party to analyze our code, check our code, you know, and stuff like that. Um, so, so yeah. Um, and you also have the so that, that's one of the main reasons. Um, so it's not especially if you are a startup. I mean, the last thing you you are already struggling yeah. financially in terms not just financially in terms of resources, time and everything. So, and you just want to put the product out there. I'm not saying people neglect things because they don't. Especially in startup, you 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 make sure you you pay attention to every detail. But first of all, not everyone is exposed to security, so not everyone knows what is possible to do or not in terms of hacking. So of course, if you cannot imagine what a hacker might do, you're not going to protect against it. Uh, in fact, some of the best developers, um, yeah, they, they, um, when it comes especially to security, um, some of the best uh, penetration testers had hacking experience themselves, not just not just because they learned uh, pen testing via course. It's just because they, they were even younger breaking things and then kind of like they naturally grew into pen testing. Um, so yeah, so th that's that's one of, the, one of the biggest problems. But you also have as well like um, hackers in general, 
Um, if you are paid to do these things, of course, you're going to have more time on your hands to break the thing rather than to build it. So, yeah. of course, <laughs> while you are, as a startup, struggling to build something and focusing mostly on, on functionality, there is someone who just earned, I don't know, X amount of dollars and he's comfortably, his, his job is purely to break down what you are building. So, of course, <laughs> um, unfortunately, he might have the leading hand when it comes to security. And also, let's not forget, like, hackers in general, I, I forgot who it was, but if I'll find it, I'll send it to you, maybe we can add it in the show notes. There was a TED talk by someone, some researcher, and he was kind of like, he brought up this argument that governments shouldn't put hackers in jail, because that's a waste of talent, because actually hackers are very, very smart. Some of them are very, very smart people. You know, we should use them to our advantage, like, to help us kind of like... Case in point, Kevin Mitnick. I don't know if you from, but it's, he's one of the first most uh, popularized hacker. He was kind of like a black hat hacker. Uh, he was arrested, etc. And now he has his own security firm. Right. Um, because yeah, these people actually are, are are very smart people. And so if you are very smart, you have uh, enough money or enough resources, let's say, to live. You don't need a job. Then of course, and you like to break things. While someone is trying to build a product, you are just sitting there waiting for him to build it so then you can break it. So, of course, because of the dynamics, how things are, you will, unfortunately, the bad guy, or, or, the, or let's put it this way, the person who is task, whose task is to find security issues, it seems they will always have the upper hand. Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like we're, we've got this new industry developing as well where on the on the on the one hand you've got the black hat hackers who are everything's underground and you know you're in trouble with the law if anything that you've been doing has is discovered and on the flip side the opposite end of the spectrum you've got people who are doing white hat hacking and they're doing it simply for the good of humanity and as soon as they discover something they turn it over to the to the vendor of the software and give them a decent amount of time to to fix their software and, and amend it and patch it up and have what have you. And then in the middle somewhere, what I'm going to call grey, I think probably that's the right term, grey hackers, this, this new industry of people who are hacking in order to sell the exploit to, for example, companies like Zerodium, who, you know, if you can, if you can hack, a, hack an iPhone with no user interaction... My understanding is, you know, you could almost retire off the off the the strength of that. And so we've got this curious grey area where people are trying to figure out in advance what uh, problems are, there are, you know, and hack things. But they're not necessarily going out and perpetrating mischief themselves. They're just selling it to the highest bidder, and at that point, they don't care what those people are doing. And and those people presumably have quite a lot of money. And I know that companies like Zerodium go out of their way to explain, well, we only sell our software to this person, this person, and this person, and we definitely don't sell to this government or these people over here. But who knows? Who knows where it all ends up? It's really bizarre. Yeah, I mean, in all fairness, especially right now, I'm sure all over the world there's this hot topic, you know, like the COVID government's trust and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, the question is like, why would the government need an exploit? Need 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 the farm, You know, like let, let's say let's say yeah, as you said, like first of all, yeah, if, if you ever find an issue, uh, a vulnerability which gives you access to an iPhone without user interaction, I'm pretty sure you can retire <laughs> right <Yeah>. away. <laughs> that's that's good, for good sure. Good luck with that. By <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you do, and if the government buys it, why are they buying it? I mean, like the, the, the question is always this: It's not that there's no trust in the government. The question is always this: Like, even this is a common question as well with surveillance. Surveillance. Um, it's like surveillance is good in in an ideal world where everyone respects the rules and everyone does what they do. Surveillance is good. However, all you need is one person in, in, in that group assigned, for example, to monitor this data, to leak that data, and then, then it all goes bad, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there are companies, like, who are buying... Um, in a way, you don't blame the hackers. As in, like, if, if you are, let's say, a grey hat, or even, quite frankly, a white hat, and actually it's grey hat, but you find a vulnerability... Um, well, you have two options. You either report it to to that vendor. Maybe you get I don't know a, a few thousand. It, it depends, of course, how good the vulnerability is. I mean, like how, how what what its impact can be. You know, yeah. once exploited. But let's say you find a good one. You can either um, report it, let's say, to the vendor, and you 
get a t-shirt and maybe a few thousand dollars yeah <laughs> and <laughs> you know you sell it as you said you know like to a company like Zerodium and yeah maybe you get a good amount of money um yeah it's it, i think it's a difficult choice i think it it, it really it really depends on uh, uh, on your position because in all fairness if you are if you are broke you know and, and you need money and you found something then most probably you'll be leaning towards selling it um, and, and as you said like even if you sell it to this company or even if you if, even if it's not zero let's say it's it's an underground company i don't know it's an underground market um and i think it's difficult to imagine how this vulnerability you're selling how bad this can be used because if you sell it to someone it's, i think mentally you feel like okay I, I, that's off my shoulders responsibility you know i sold it you know i i've done my job it's a, it's someone's else problem kind of thing you know someone's probably and Unfortunately, it's very normal, even in the physical world, the black market always pays better than the, as we were mm. saying before, always pays better than the legitimate market. So I think it's 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 a bit yeah of uh, ethical question kind yeah, of thing. It's, it's uh, it, it, it also depends on your position, you know, like if you are already comfortable, most probably, and and you're typically I don't know. Um, an ethical person you like to do the right things most probably you'll sell it to the right person but yeah if you're you know like it's broke or stuff like that most probably you'll be leaning towards selling it to to the other part you know i think if you are interested in this that there is albeit i think it would take a long time to get there there is a career to be had in white hat hacking and what i mean by that is you can go to these i mean i don't know if they've resurrected after covid but you know things like pwn to own where you can show up and they will um, basically put you in a in a contest, and in this contest they will give you the some hardware and some software, and and if you can achieve a certain milestone with, let's say, you can escape the Chrome sandbox or something like that, you might achieve a certain amount. But if you can, I don't know, get into uh, become root on macOS or something like that, you'll you'll obviously achieve a greater amount. And it's quite extraordinary. Some of these teams. And it seems to be teams, not individuals, that that go in. And you know, a week later, when the when the the the, the conference is over, they come out and they've they've made millions. It's extraordinary. Yes, um, and uh, it's it's not uh, even if you go like there are quite a few conferences like like this. For example, even you go to Black Hat, and Black Hat is very normal that you see kind of like the what we call the zero the exploits, where people demonstrate something that's not yet known to the public. Uh, a few years ago, there was someone who managed to um, hack uh, an ATM, you know, and just withdrew any amount of money he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> exactly, yeah, and yeah, basically, yeah, it, it it is it is a lucrative market. And however, even though I said like the we've said before, like usually the black market pays better than the legitimate market. Slowly, slowly, it seems um, we are warming up to the idea that listen, we need we need to pay these people you know like if we, if we want them to be on the good side and we want them to help us we need to pay these people like if, if the black market is paying them ten dollars we cannot pay them two dollars for we have to pay them ten dollars you know um yeah one might say yeah but it's not ethical to get ten dollars and sell it to the bad people but you know like unfortunately money talks <laughs> most of the time so so yeah um so yeah, there are i mean there are definitely a lot of platforms nowadays a lot of conferences and a lot of even online sites and online courses and online uh, setups where you can train and where it kind of like slowly slowly like when when i come when i compare what i see today compared to 15 20 years ago um yes slowly slowly we are kind of like there's way more awareness there are way more platforms and way more opportunities for hackers by the way when we say hacker it's not necessarily a bad thing hacker is a hacker it's just someone who likes to break things you know um so, so there are many more opportunities um good opportunities and we're kind of like paving the way to to help them kind of like okay stick to the kind of like good side because listen, yeah they pay as well you know yeah so you know if you're into all this stuff and you find yourself tinkering and you are sitting in the middle of the seesaw thinking go left or go right <laughs> exactly yeah that there is there is increasingly a a a road to to making a career out of it and i suppose that even if you don't make so much money at least at least you won't live your life in fear of the the law knocking on your door and asking some some questions which you might not really have answers to so there's that as well just flipping the switch a bit changing the direction a little bit we're obviously a wordpress based podcast and wordpress is software it sits on top of other software and they in turn sit on 
computers which are sitting on the public internet and it's a it really is a recipe for things to go wrong if you think about it but um what what is it you know how how should a, a typical normal wordpress user so let's say somebody who is uh, when i say using wordpress i mean more the audience of this podcast is people who are either implementers of wordpress or they are building wordpress websites so they've got an agency or something like that where do you see the balance of being neurotic and being super protective and trying to install every conceivable way of preventing bad things happening and and the opposite doing nothing at all and just hoping to god that nothing untoward happens what what do you see in tw- towards the end of 2021 as a as a good position to to be in what kind of things would you be implementing for a wordpress website uh, first of all, where to extend, I see a mix of both. I see a mix of people like, like, listen, I've installed two firewalls. How come my website is hacked? First of all, installing one or two firewalls won't make a big difference. I'm like, stick to one, choose the best one. That's enough, you know? And yes, there are people who don't do anything. Um, myself, personally, um, uh, I, I think w- what one can like be ahead of 90% of, of, of the people out there is, first of all, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, security plugins are good and are useful. Because, I mean, quite frankly, we develop some of our steps. However, I think when you look at why websites are hacked, so for example, I was looking for some numbers before this podcast, because like just out of curiosity. So on average, I've seen some statistics from, for example, from Forbes or Pitchstick or Sukuri. So there are at least 30K websites hacked every day. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, like, a report from Sukuri from 2019 found that 47% of hacked websites have backdoor, have a backdoor, which means that once this website is fixed, that can be hacked again very, very easily. The, the hacker will still, the, the, the malicious hacker will still retain access to that website. Um, so, but when you look at, regardless of how websites are hacked and regardless why websites are hacked, um, the biggest uh, the biggest problem I think is, is always this, is like, user problems as in like mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. one can say that listen plugin x has a amount of vulnerabilities wordpress has an amount of vulnerabilities yes but quite frankly if you keep everything up to date um you're already ahead of the curve you know if you if you if you do the, the most basic tasks like if you use a good solid password if you have uh, if you use https at least for the admin area when you're logging in uh, if you don't if you don't use public wi-fis or if you if you cannot do any, any any else at least make sure you have a vpn um if you use a strong password if you use at least i don't know like 2fa don't share credentials keep your software up to date if you start with that um especially for the um small websites let's say if, if you don't I mean, if, if you're in a commerce store if your website is growing you have to then of course you have you should invest a bit in security and especially if you have a team working together on the same website def, that's where security plugins come, come in, you know? But if you have a small website, um, if you take care of the basic user best practices, as I said, strong password, use HTTPS, um, don't share your password, don't use Wi-Fi, even on your computer, because it, as we were saying, your computer can be used as a stepping stone. So yes, you can have the most secure website, you can have any type of security plugin installed, but if you have, if you are, your computer is hacked, and I don't know, there's a backdoor that you have a keylogger or whatever, and you're, every day SSHing or accessing your website via FTP or accessing some files, it, your computer can be used as a stepping stone to hack your website. So, you know, so it, it's all about like best practices. Use strong passwords, make sure your software is up to date, not just your website, even your computer. Uh, make sure, you know, like don't click on suspicious links or if you are suspicious, check or try. Like, for example, if, if you, if you're not sure, one simple trick, for example, some people say, ah, oh, but you know, the email looked legitimate. I, I, I didn't know if it's exactly from our bank or no. If you if you just Google at least from whom the email is signed, you know, like like a phishing email, like from HSBC for or some some bank. If you if you search the the title of the person who signed the email, if it's a phishing, most probably you'll find some information about it on Google. Be other people reporting it as a phishing email, you know. So if you're not sure, better not click. Uh, if you're not if you're not sure if the email is from your bank or whatever or from whoever it is, call that organization. Like, listen, I got this email. You know, like, is it is it yours or is is it legitimate or no? You know, so if you start with the best practices, you will you can be out of the curve because WordPress by default and most of the plugins you use and the plugins I'm not talking about security the plugins you normally use 
they, if you keep them up to date, they, they will be fine. I mean, if there will be a security issue and if the vendor, then of course, what plugins do you use? If the vendor, I mean, no software is 100% secure. Mm. No software in the mm. world. Every software, somehow, if there's enough time for people, they will find issues in them. So what matters is this. Um, when you choose a plugin, for example, make sure that if uh, if you're choosing a plugin, if this plugin had security issues in the past, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, every security, every every software will have vulnerabilities. What matters is this: that if when the vulnerability was reported, the vendor responded, you know, responded and they fixed it and they issued a patch. That's fine. The problem is when, of course, there were security issues reported and the vendor never reacted. That's, I wouldn't use that plugin, you know? But as long as you keep your software up to date and be careful what software to use and double check things or where to click, use a strong password, you, you'll be, you'll be, you'll, you'll do, your website will do very well. You know, you do very, very well. Do you know, in terms of, again, WordPress freelancers or implementers or people who are just building out websites, do you know if... Let's say, for example, I've built a website for a, a company, um, a local company, and I've deployed it to them, and maybe I've taken on the job of hosting things and so on. And then a few weeks later, a few weeks after we've handed over and the money's been put into my bank account, their website is hacked. And we don't quite know how that's happened, but it has happened. There's, there's clearly something wrong. There's images have been swapped and there's text that shouldn't be there. So something's up. Do you know... Are there any laws, international or otherwise, it may be completely unique in each individual country, governing liability for this kind of thing? You know, does does anybody ultimately, does the buck stop with anybody? Or, or how, how does that work? I mean, obviously, you know, I'm talking in a situation where a client isn't on any kind of retainer with you, yet they're not on some kind of maintenance plan where you promise to keep things up to date. Does, does a client ever have any comeback and saying, well hang on a minute, you provided me with this thing, this product, it's been broken, that's that's on you. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but as far as I know, there are no laws. I know there have been talks with some governments about like trying to better understand the dynamics of how these things work, but there are no laws. What I know is nowadays there are uh, insurances for for both vendors and 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 the end user as in like like if as you said if you are an agency there's there are insurances for agencies so just in case the uh, the user is there, there's also insurances for security companies so you know like you can say listen i i i i tested your website and it's it's according to me as of today it's 100% secure and there are these type of insurances but i i don't think legally there is anything yet any framework for these type of things and in a way, it's it's very difficult because, uh, as you know, first of all, um, security is 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 not something that kind of like it's not a one-time fix, you know. So, even if I gave you the website today, and let's say I'm I'm the best security expert in the world, and I can confirm that your website is hundred percent secure, but I can confirm that today it is hundred percent secure. Tomorrow, things might change, you know. Yeah. There's a, then of course on top of that there's the other factor. I gave you the website and you started using it. You know, That's like right. and, yeah. and, and yeah. do I know if you gave your password? You 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 used a, a, an old pet, you know, and you write your password on an old pet or you sent it to some. I don't know. You know, so I think it's it's a very it's a very <laughs> it's a very difficult situation. Um, I, I sort of often make the analogy that it's a bit like if you purchase a car from a garage. You can't really go back to the garage and say, "Look, you sold me this car, and somebody crashed into me. Uh, I'd really like you to repair my car." It's kind of, well, in a sense, yeah, well, that would be lovely if we could do that, but we didn't actually have anything to do with the car getting crashed into. Um, did you take out any insurance? No, I didn't. I'm afraid. Well, there you go. So it feels like the insurance route is good. However, this links nicely to to, to something that you guys actually do, which is your you know your logging software, which which will actually provide you a trail of evidence to see if actually the responsibility does lie with the client. And I'm guessing that that's something that you would you would advocate is stick something in there which has got comprehensive logs to figure out and be able to rewind the the the, the history of the whole website and see where things began to go wrong. Yeah, I mean, in all fairness, yeah, that's one of the most common questions we get in support and breeze. Like, sorry, uh, I hired this developer or I hired X or Y, and yeah, I, he or she or whatever, they did 
again x or y but we don't know who or what or right so so yes logs are definitely one of the kind of like holy grace for security it's, it's something where where um yeah that will help you a lot definitely and, that, that, and that's these, for sure. these days and with plugins like yours you you literally can log more or less everything that, that could ever be of importance um and have whilst it might take you a while to sift through those logs and figure out who did what and when and where that could potentially save your bacon Yes, in fact, um, one one thing we also also recommend. By the way, when you talk about logs, um, there's there's for example something like our plugin WP Active User Log, which keeps a log of what's happening on WordPress. However, WordPress it's important to keep in mind that WordPress is also running on a web server, you know, and there's also where there's also a MySQL server. There's all, all these pieces. So when you when we talk about logs, you should take a holistic approach. And and if something really happens, something really bad, uh, you can find you can use the WP activity logs for what happened on WordPress. However, you should, if let's say that your website was hacked and used a dedicated server, you should also look at the you should also look at the web server logs. You should also look at the database server logs. If you have other services, I don't know, like SSH, uh, SFTP and stuff, you should look at all the logs and try to build that picture, about uh, and try to understand what happened. So, but yes, logs as they're kind of like insurance. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. nobody likes them but when you need them you want them to be there <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> like insurance is just one of those things I'll tell you a true story this is absolutely true I, I've i been with there's this motoring organisation in the UK called the AA and the AA will come if your car breaks down they will come to the roadside within a, an hour or so no matter where you are in the country and they'll basically fix your car I, I've been subscribing to the AA for pretty close to 15 years and and I've never, ever, ever used them. Not one time did I phone them up to say, I'm stuck, I've got a crisis. And, and I stopped using them. And exactly 12 days later, my car broke down. <laughs> yeah, these things happen, even with insurances. <laughs> it's yeah, ridiculous, yeah. though. I mean, yes. you, you couldn't make it up. I, I remember just thinking, oh, I'm, I, my car's fine. There's no problem. And then the handbrake cable snapped and I was stuck. Like I couldn't get my car to come out of having the brake on. I just thought, do you know what? That It's costing me so much more than it would have done probably for like four years worth of subscription to the AA. So, yes, I t- totally get the analogy. Do, your, do you guys? and the suite of plugins that you offer which we'll link to in the show notes by the way um do you offer sort of remediation services do you offer any sort of okay it's all gone wrong the proverbial has hit the fan do you offer like okay we'll fix it for you or is that out of your remit no it's 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 out of our we we, we just develop and sell the the, the plugins uh, having said that i mean if someone uh, for, first of all as everyone knows every wordpress website is different because of the uh, number of plugins and themes that you are using. I mean, every website is different than the other. So you and you don't um, depends where it's hosted, depends what users. And that's why I said like you from if if it was purely, uh, for example, I don't know uh, a hack in WordPress itself, you can find out roughly from our plugin what from the logs of our plugin what happened. However, if it was something else, I don't know. Maybe it was the website was on a shared hosting. Someone hacked another website. They got a privilege escalation and they hacked through the. It, it's very difficult, so you need to take a look at all the logs. However, if usually it's not the first time someone sends us a question like, "Listen, we have your plugin. This has happened. Um, can you please tell us?" You know, and, and we usually kind of, we do to support. Give them okay, like check if you're seeing these type of events, you know, or check if you're seeing these type of activity. So we do give pointers, but we 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 do not because as I said, like like WordPress. It's a simple system, but when you look at it technically, it can be a very complex system because there are many. It runs on a number of components, so you need to. When something is hacked, um, yeah, you need to find out exactly what happened and from where. And quite frankly, some most of the time it happens in WordPress, you know, but quite often as well it happens. I don't know from the web server or from another service that is running on your web server or from a website which is running on the same web server as yours so so it's very difficult yeah um, but yeah if someone asks of course we're, we're more than happy we don't do the service ourselves but if someone asks listen this happened this happened or listen i'm suspecting this what should i look for in the activity logs then of course we give we do give uh general uh tips and instructions like okay you should be looking for this or this or you should expect it you are expected to see these type of logs in in, in, the, in the in the activity log um, if somebody as because we are closing in on our allotted time here, the um, if somebody's 
interest has been piqued by what we've been talking about. You know, you're just curious about how um, internet security works and why people are hacking things and how those things can be mitigated against and what kind of solutions you might want to implement in your own business to protect your clients as well as you. What, where, what are your favoured resources online? I mean, feel free to mention any of your own if you've got your own blog that you want to talk about, but also any good resources that you find yourself frequently looking at that we can write down in our show notes. Yeah, um, of course we have our own blog, and the reason why I mention our own blog because uh, we we are, especially the last the last year or so, we invested a lot in in, in content, but we are writing a lot um, generic tips um, like security website security website administration website and user management. You know, like like we even write, for example, we even have posts about DNS, you know, or about yep. how to manage user or how to do this. So it's not. Honestly, like you'll see, of course, I mean, there will be our plugins, uh, a shout out to our plugins on some posts, but we, we, when we are writing, we are purely right. We want this blog to be an educational blog. So, so we have our blog, which is wpwhitesecurity.com. Um, there are quite a few blogs which are interesting in the WordPress. Um, there is, the Sukuru blog was always interesting. Um, they have the normal articles, but they also have, if you are interested in, in more in the technical aspect, how, how, a particular malware works or what happened and how the hack works. The security blocks usually when they find a new hack or something, they write about it in, in technical detail. That's very interesting. So if, you, if you'd like to kind of start learning a bit more about WordPress security, it's definitely a place you should uh, keep an eye on. There's of course the wpscan.com uh, website uh, from Ryan Dewhurst. Um, they, apart from having the database of vulnerabilities, they do post the occasional like blog posts about these things as well, about what 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 security best practices and hacks. Um, there's also Patchstack, um, Patchstack.com, which used to be um, used to be another security Web company. Arcs. Yeah, WebArcs. Yeah, they do also have some interesting on the technical side content as well. Um, so there, there are quite a few actually. I don't have any particular. Uh, uh, favorite one I just like uh, I, I follow quite a good number and I just sift through my mail in fact to be honest I I just subscribe mostly to to to, to be able to send to receive an email uh, when there are new blog posts and then of course I just sift through my mailbox and see what is interesting but yeah, yeah. Th- to me if, those are like the top four in, in the industry for sure okay well that's really helpful thank you and if people off the back of this podcast wanted to make contact with you personally or indeed just reach out and look at your website what's the what's the best domain twitter handle email address whichever way you want to get people um speaking to you what what works best there yeah the website is wpwhitesecurity.com one word and um yeah twitter is robert abela uh, robert and surname abel is a b e l a one word robert abela they can yeah they can always dm me there yeah so R-O-B-E-R-T-A-B-E-L-A is your at sign yes. on, on Twitter. Okay. Well, that's been really fascinating. I, I, honestly, I reckon I've probably gone through about a, a half of what I wanted to ask, but time has got the better of us. Maybe maybe there's a maybe there's another episode in us in a few more years' time. But for now, Robert, I really appreciate you talking to us today. Hopefully that's been of interest and, uh, and educational to the listeners. I really appreciate you chatting to us. Thank you very much, Nathan. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, let's let's schedule another one hopefully sometime next year. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. Very nice to chat with Robert Abella today, all about WordPress security and security more generally. If you have anything to add to that, any commentary, please head over to wpbuilds.com and find the episode. It's number 266. And give us a comment there. Alternatively, head over to our Facebook group, wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. And again, search for episode 266 and we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'll be back next Thursday when we'll be doing another podcast episode, only that will be a conversation between David Wormsley and myself in our WordPress Business Bootcamp series. In a couple of weeks, we'll have another interview. And don't forget, every Monday, 2pm UK time, wpbuilds.com forward slash live for our This Week in WordPress show. Okay, that's it for this week. I'm going to fade in some cheesy music and say bye-bye for now. <laughs>